doing two a days. Push, push, push. I'm in the gym doing two a days. Let's run it up. We're going to go ahead and get started, guys. This is the Run Up the Score podcast with my guest host, Carl Washington. I'm Carl Reed. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Mr. Greg Quick, who is the CFL Director of Global Scouting. Coach, how are you doing? I'm outstanding. I hope you and your families have all uh, made it thus far safe and healthy, and we continue to move forward in a positive direction. Right, fellas? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're all good. So I got a question for you. You and I were communicating heavily when you were the director of the Super 88 All-Star Game down there with offense and defense. And then you got appointed as the CFL Director of Global Scouting. Can you kind of tell us what is the CFL's initiative? How did you come into getting that position? And what is the goal of, of your office? Sure. Well, Carl, you know, I've, I've been coaching for 40 years now, going to the 40 and uh, I did work with uh, Rick and Val with, uh, you know, with the bowl game, with the 88 game. And uh, but I've been in the CFL since 2010. And uh, in November, I had the opportunity uh, uh, to interview and eventually get the job as the director of global scouting. Um and it's because of a new initiative by Randy Ambrosi, our, our commissioner. And it's called CFL 2.0. And there are two pillars of that related uh, to, to my job. One is the assessment and procurement of elite talent for our league, expanding the, the ground, so to speak, expanding the, uh, the fertility of the league. So instead of just really looking at the U.S. and Canadian market for talent, we're now looking across the entire globe. And as you gentlemen probably know, there are uh, 50 some nations in the world that are part of the the, uh, International Federation of American Football. There's another 30 that play some type of football. So over 80 countries in the world are playing uh, what we're calling gridiron football, uh, rather than the football as many people know across the world as, as soccer, right? So gridiron football is what you and I are very familiar with. The second part of my uh, initiative or my responsibility is the growth of football across the globe, Uh, doing everything we can to promote and grow the game, uh, help coaches. Uh, We have a federation right now of 14 countries that are aligned with the CFL. uh, and a large part of that initiative is growing the game of football. For example, we've done clinics in the Nordic countries. We're going to be doing podcasts in Italy and Finland. Uh, so we're doing all we can to help promote the game. Uh, we've been around the globe since uh, last November. We've been around the globe one and a half times. We've run 11 combines across the world. Uh, and we're waiting for our first global draft. Uh, once we establish what our Season will start, then we'll uh, step some date for our global draft. We had to reschedule it. So, Coach, quick, could when most people in America, when they think of Canadian football, they think of uh, twelve men in a wider field. Can you mm-hmm. tell us the, the, the differences between Canadian football and American football? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I often tell people that American football is chess, and, and uh, Canadian football is three-dimensional chess. Uh, the different main differences, one are the size of the field. 
Uh, it's 12 yards wider than American is 65 yards wide, which may not seem like a lot, but uh, you know, when a defensive player comes up from down south to play in Canada and they take off in pursuit on a defensive play, they get to about the hash and feel like they should be at the sideline. And they 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 still got another uh, seven, you know, 24 yards from the hash to go. So uh, one is the width of the field, the length of the field, 55 yards is the middle of the field. So the field is 110 yards. The field size is one thing. Then the 12th man uh, changes strategy a little bit, but something that would really really take uh, your fans and your listeners by surprise are the motions, because all eligible players can motion simultaneously. So the running back, and they can motion towards the line of scrimmage. So the running back could motion towards the line of scrimmage before they would lease, release on a route. So you've got a, a 4-3-40 wide receiver who's running, taking a 20-yard head start uh, on a DB that's playing man coverage. It's a little bit different. It really is a lot like basketball. It's really basketball and grass in a lot of ways. The other is that we only have three downs. So it's like starting at second and long and playing from there so you know if you don't get five on first down you really put yourself in a hole and you're you're going to have to throw the football on that second down uh but it's an exciting game uh the other part of it is is part of what we're talking about today and part of is the the ratio and how players are used uh, because there are american players global players now and the canadians there's uh, a certain number of players of each a uh, variety that have to be on the field or have to be on the roster at any given time. Um, so that makes it challenging as well. So, Coach, you mentioned that um, you mentioned the global draft. Okay. What is the difference between the, go the global draft and the regular CFL draft that you guys just had a couple weeks ago? The global draft is anybody that does not have U.S. or Canadian citizenship. So it would be a player that doesn't have U.S. or Canadian citizenship. And uh, so that's uh, the, the, the uh, standard. Uh, and I'm sure that may change over time. But right now, so you can't have dual citizenship. You can't be, safe from the Bahamas and be have U.S. citizenship as well. So you can only have citizenship from a country outside of the U.S. or Canada. So that's all over the world then, right? So um, we have 14 nations that work with us in Alliance, but there's a lot more countries that actually play American football. So, you know, Australia, for example, there are over 30 punters and kickers in U.S. colleges that are from Australia. Um, got, you know, across the world. So we've gone out. And we've run those, we've run combines in 11 countries. Uh, we have gathered film from across every league in the world, from the, as far south as Brazil, as far north as Finland, Denmark, uh, Russia, uh, from Japan to, uh, to Great Britain, Spain. But around the world, we've gathered uh, film. Uh, we do assessment, and then we provide our teams with the video, we do reports, uh, obviously the results of the, uh, the combines. And then we have a, we invite 
60 of the top players to a, to a combine in Canada where they get to perform in the combine, and then we follow that with the draft. If you are, let's say you play um, at the University of Missouri, right, mm -hmm. and you don't get drafted, is there a way for you to get into the CFL if you're an American? Uh, if you're an American, sure. So the third way that you come into the league is uh, as an American. Now, we don't have a draft. Uh, the, the Americans enter basically as free agents. Uh, obviously, our clubs, just as the NFL, our club personnel people uh, go across the United States, visit the schools, watch games, gather tape, go to pro days, all the same processes. Uh, evaluate people in the NFL or the XFL or the Alliance League when it was functioning. Uh, and each team has what's called a negotiation list, which is a list of 45 players that they can place on their list, which is basically gives them protected rights to those players uh, as long as they're on that list. Uh, and then they can get on that list. Uh, well, that would happen because the, the team has seen them play, has evaluated them, and uh, decided that they would be, you know, somebody that would be of uh, worth to them in the future. Uh, and they may put somebody on that's, uh, you know, for example, Johnny Manziel was in our league, right? And the teams that had the team that had his rights. Uh, had put him on the neg list back when he was probably a sophomore uh, and retained his rights. And even though he was drafted into the NFL, they retained those rights to whatever time they may want to come north. Um, the majority of the guys that are in our league, a lot come uh, straight from university. Uh, many have already been in the NFL. Uh, maybe they've been uh, you know, two, three years uh, in the NFL. Maybe they've been active, maybe they're on practice roster, and then they come to our league. Um, so 20 players, 20 players of the 46 uh, game day roster are U.S. players. How does the – Canada has a pretty solid university system for football too, don't they? Yeah. There are, I believe, 29 schools now that play mm. football in Canada. Uh, again, everything's about, uh, you know, there's, what, 300 and some million people in the United States, and there's 30 million people in Canada. Uh, so it gives you an idea of the difference. We have, what, 600 and some, almost 700 schools and colleges and universities that play football of some nature in the United States, Division AI Division III, one, uh, 1AA, Division I. Um, so it's all proportional. Uh, and on our on so, so the, uh, go ahead. So, so the players that you draft from other countries do do that. Were, were they playing uh, school football in school, or they was playing club football? What were they doing? It's a wide assortment, Carl. Some played at universities in the United States. Uh, there's some of the best players are there in the states. Uh, in Germany, it's a. Uh, I would almost make it semi, it's amateur, but it's semi-professional. They uh, bring players in from the United States. They have people from other countries. Uh, you know, there's, they have 32 teams and there are two upper leagues. Uh, so they're the most extensive. Uh, it, they could be university players. 
Japan and Mexico have gridiron football in the universities. So, for example, two, three of the players coming uh, from Japan this year that are invited to our combine, very good players are coming right out of university uh, as well as out of their ex-league. Um, Carl, you might relate it to how soccer works on an international basis uh, in that, the, you know, the, the transfer rights and things of that nature where a player is playing on a soccer team and uh, somewhere and then he's brought to another league. It's very similar for us and what happens there. Uh, you know, the, the whole initiative of CFL 2.0 is patterned after uh, what they did in, the, uh, in basketball, making it more global, as well as in hockey. When Detroit, you know, brought the Russian players in and uh, kind of change the game that way. So we think there's a lot of promise through this global initiative, not only for uh, for players, but also to grow the game economically as well, uh, to gain broadcast rights and sponsorships on a worldwide basis, and someday uh, maybe be playing some games uh, across the globe. Would you would you say that the uh, what I'm gonna ask is the CFL? And the XFL in competition for the same players, or y'all have a different pool of players? Uh, for some of the players, Carl, yes. Uh, but a lot of the guys that were in the XFL were guys that had already uh, traveled through our league and, uh, you know, had been there at one time and maybe uh, no longer were with the club. Uh, there were a few players that were in the XFL um, that had, had been our league, but you know, the, the nice thing about football, and you guys know this, it's the same as this conversation we're having, is uh, we're, we're pretty good. We have, you know, pretty good ethics and morality as far as men are concerned. So both the NFL, the XFL, the Alliance League, and the Canadian Football League work together to ensure that we respect each other's uh, contract rights and uh, protect the rights of the players as well. So... Uh, so far, we've been able to work very effectively with the other leagues that were in existence, uh, but the, there's only a, a finite number of players, Carl, so you're always in competition to, to try and have the best players. I got, I got, I got another question for you. As, as the uh, director of scouting for the uh, CFL, are you content with that job or are you trying to use that job to springboard into maybe a general manager position in the NFL? Well, right now, Carl, I'm very satisfied. I've, I've got more than enough to do with the 300 guys on our draft list, keeping those people writing reports, doing that. You know, Carl, my background has been, in, I've been a coach uh, all my life, both in uh, colleges in the States. And as I said, in the CFL, uh, so I was kind of the uh, underdog candidate for this job, but the uh, I think the GMs, I think the CFL have been pleased with the job that myself and uh, Lawrence Hopper ha have been doing in our uh, global scouting office. Um, and it's, it, it's because of our, our desire to grow the game of football as well as to evaluate talent, um, it's really a dual responsibility. Uh, but, Carl, you know, those are always the hard questions. It's like when you're in an interview, right? And they ask you, what are you going to be doing in five years? Well, I right. always ask, are you offering me a five-year contract? 
right? If you're, I'll be happy to tell you where I'll be in five or ten years if you're offering me that continuing contract. But uh, you know, we're all in this in this world. We're always uh, trying to make ourselves create the opportunities, the best opportunity. You know, Gary Barnett years ago in a clinic said, "You want to keep your head where your butt is." In other words, do your work. Concentrate on where you're at, and everything else will take care of itself. Okay. I know some. I know some younger guys that are in the scouting. What's the difference between a CFL scout and the guys doing NFL scouting? And if a guy wanted to get into scouting in the CFL, what are some of the avenues, or how, or what? What would you recommend that he does? Well. You know, the, the best avenue is generally it's like coaching. You're going to start out economically. It's not going to be as uh, rewarding as, as you might want. So internships, things of that nature. Uh, it's a networking process as well, Carl. Uh, so any chance to get to know and get to meet uh, coaches, things of that nature. Uh, there are guys, you know, at the AFCA convention, there are guys from Canada there. Uh, the opportunity to meet with people. I can't tell you the number of Zoom calls I've done with young people that are either in school or wanting to go into coaching or want to go into scouting. Uh, the opportunity to network, and uh, but it's it's a hard nut to crack. And generally, it's going to take you know starting as an, an intern. Now, a lot of the upper level, we do have uh, you know a lot of our assistant GMs and even some of our GMs have a background in the NFL. Uh, but a lot of our talent, you know, has been homegrown and grown throughout the, uh, the CFL process. Um, so it's a lot like coaching in that uh, trying to find the opportunity and to network as best as you can. But it's uh, it's not an easy road. You got to be willing to uh, to uh, move, relocate, and oftentimes uh, work for you know what my many people would consider substandard pay. Well what are some of the biggest differences you think between the CFL player agents and what they have to do and what their job is different from the guys who represent NFL players? What are some of the kind of the things that the CFL agents have to deal with that the NFL guys don't have to deal with? Well, there's, there's a couple things, Carl. One is the, you know, if you've got a, if you're representing a player in the United States, is their knowledge and understanding of the Canadian game. Uh, they're also the understanding that the financial gain in the CFL is a lot different than the uh, the money being made in the NFL. Uh, you know, the money in the NFL now is generational money. It, it changes people's families. Uh, the money, you can get a good salary, make a good living, and uh, really start off well professionally through the CFL, but you're not going to become independently wealthy uh, other than for a few of our quarterbacks uh, through playing in the CFL. Uh, so a lot of times if an agent has been working in the States and has not worked in the CFL, they may not understand uh, some of the financial uh, aspects of the game. Um, also a lot of what an agent does is his relationships with GMs assistant GMs and scouts. Um, but the, the real task of the agent doesn't change. It's to create opportunity for his client. Uh, 
right now are uh, for the Canadians that are drafted and even the first year Americans, the, uh, the contracts are slotted so that, uh, you know, there's not a big chance to, to change the amount of money as an agent. The best thing an agent does for you is get you in front of the scouting department on a club so that they can make an evaluation. You get an opportunity to, to get to training camp. We also run, uh, we're talking about how do you get to the CFL? There are a lot of open tryouts across the United States run by the CFL clubs. Now, obviously this year, those were cut back after uh, March when the travel ban happened. But generally throughout the United States, all of our clubs you run free agent tri uh, trial camps. On average, on average, what is the average salary of a CFL player? If you just took the, took the average at the top, it's going to be in the high 90s, right? About 100,000 Canadian. And what's that translating to American? Well, right now it's pretty low. It's about 69, it's 69 70 cents on the dollar. Normally, uh, but that changes throughout my career in the CFL. I've been at you know, 103, where we were making three cents on the dollar to where it is now. Right now is the lowest exchange rate it's been. Uh, but that'll recover. I'm confident of that. So I don't – a lot of guys that coach football, we get a lot of football coaches that listen to our podcast, and they won't know the way you will about Laval University and Coach Glenn Constantine, right, who has the powerhouse program up there in Canada. How does the program compare up in Canada and what is he doing that is making him have the most elite program up there that guys down here could take away and, and possibly learn from? Well, you know, Glenn, first of all, I think the great thing about Glenn's program at, at the University of Laval has been continuity. It's no different than anywhere else, Glenn. The better, the more continuity you have in your program, the greater the chance for sustainable success. Uh, Glenn and his staff have been there uh, for a number of years now. They work together. Uh, they understand recruiting. Uh, and what they've been able to do between Glenn and Danny Machocho at the University of Montreal, Danny's now with the uh, Montreal Alouettes, but those two programs have really changed the face of university football uh, by growing the game of football in the province of Quebec. Uh, and they operate their programs as close to uh, as they can to a professional level, similar to a uh, one of our you know FBS or FCS programs as far as how they run the program, uh, how their staff interacts with the players, uh, and they're very also very aggressive in recruiting, and they do a great job maintaining uh, you know relationships with the. Uh, you know, the many different people they have to in, in their recruiting process. But I think it's their consistency of, of their staff, and uh, which really makes a, makes a big difference. And the other is I think they have a high standard, Carl. I think uh, Glenn has a high standard of expectation of his coaches. He has a high expectation of the support that he gets from their university and their alumni. He has a high expectation of his staff and his players, but most of all, he has a high expectation of himself 
and uh, he doesn't tolerate anything less than an elite standard in his program. So is it is it the same in Canada that you have to be uh, three years removed from high school to enter the draft? Um, it's it's a as far as the Canadian draft is concerned in Canada, they have five years of eligibility, and Carl and operates a little different. It's kind of interesting in that after their June, what would be their junior year or their third year, we actually have our East-West game, which would be similar to the Senior Bowl. Is uh, We have an East-West game, and it's actually played in May. So all the rising seniors, uh, they select for this All-Star game. They have a week of practice. They have a combine associated with that, and they play a game. So all the best players from the University of Canada are in one location so they can uh, – be evaluated. They can people can see who they are, and they go back and play. Now they could be drafted after that, you know, fourth year if you want. They could be drafted, uh, and they actually could come to training camp, Carl, participate in training camp, and then uh, decide to go back and play that fifth year, their last year of university. Um, so the rules are a little bit. Uh, I would say they're more student athlete friendly in that they're not as restrictive. It allows them to test the waters. It also allows the best players to showcase their talents. Um, and a lot of times you'll see NFL, not only the NFL guys and the Canadian guys both, uh, you know, observing what's going on with our East West game. So if a guy in college is really serious about potentially playing in the CFL, he needs to try to find them elite representation and, and try to get on that negotiation list and come in through the free agent way. That's probably the best way for that guy to try to get himself an opportunity, correct? Yeah, he is. He, do, yeah, do. Get, you know, get your video, get, uh, you know, the, now, right now, because of the situation is even a, uh, a virtual combine, so to speak, or pro day. Uh, and also to watch all the clubs have listed on their website in a normal year uh, when their trial camps are. And again, they have those across the United States. And that's really a great way to, to get in front of the, of the guys. Now also, if, you know, if a player is in the NFL or is in training camp in the NFL, our guys are going to see them um, because they're, they're, they attend the camps. They come through the NFL. They're at the NFL games you know, evaluating talent throughout. So um, it's an ongoing uh, process that way. Is there an instance where uh, a CFL team and an NFL team might be interested in the same guy? It happens, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, Carl, probably the, you know, they're, they're both, uh, for example, we have a couple international global players that were have been waiting to were waiting to see what was going to happen with the NFL draft, and uh, you know if they're going to get drafted, signed as an undrafted free agent, or whatever the case was be, and it's it's happened both ways. Now our team could choose to go ahead and draft. Let's say Carl, you were uh, coming out of college right now, and you you were uh, you're now a free an undrafted free agent. Let's say with uh, one of the NFL clubs our teams could choose 
if you were a Canadian player or a global player, they could choose to go ahead and draft you basically as a futures player and then retain your rights through the draft so that, let's say, in three years from now, maybe your time in the NFL has run its course and you become a free agent, uh, you could go up, come up to Canada and play at that time. And that team that had drafted you uh, would retain your rights. So right now, some of our clubs with our global players, uh, you know, the NFL pathway program, a couple guys are on the practice rosters there, or they may be playing in the NFL. Uh, one of our clubs may choose to draft one of those NFL players with the understanding that they retain those rights to the future. Okay. And the CFL season is how many games? We play 18, two preseason, 18 games, and then three playoffs. So it's a it's a long season. It takes, uh, you know, 21, 21 weeks. We have three buys in there because right now we have uh, nine teams with the odd number of teams to, to work out the uh, – the schedule. So there's three buys in there. And then we have, uh, you know, two playoff games and then our Grey Cup game, which is similar to, to the Super Bowl. We think it's uh, it's a little bit different. You know, uh, the great the uh, Super Bowl is a celebration, uh, a sport, but really the, uh, the Grey Cup is a celebration of the Canadian culture. It's a whole week long of festivities and events. They go on. People from all over Canada will come. There are all kinds of events that take place around it. And then it'll be the most watched sporting event in the country each year. What's the average, what's the average attendance of a football game? A CFL football? Our football, uh, yeah, our stadiums range from uh, about 25,000 to 65,000 seats. Dave. The average attendance, I think, is about 23,000, 24,000, Carl. Mm -hmm. And Yep. And then, you know, the, the television audience uh, from there mm -hmm. and all of our games, all the games are televised. And also your your uh, listeners should watch because ESPN now is televising the majority of our games. So you can see them on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN+. Plus, uh, and they're a lot of fun to watch, I think. Do a high number, do a high number of uh, guys who play CFL football, do they uh, transition to NFL football or do they pretty much stay in the CFL? Well, it, it uh, well, you'll see all different tracks, Carl. Some will be in the CFL, go to the NFL for two or three years, uh, come back. They may go and, and stay in the, in the NFL. I would say there's probably eight to 15 guys a year that move to the NFL, you know, are given, uh, you know, at least a practice uh, opportunity either with uh, an OTA or a mini camp or training camp. And then it just depends how many stick, you know, every year, but I'd say there's eight to 15 players a year that are uh, going one way, you know, going that way. And there's an equal or more that are coming out of the NFL uh, to the CFL. Majority of our players have some NFL experience. Mm -hmm. you, you said earlier that, uh, Quarterbacks are the highest paid guys in the CFL. So is it incentive based by position? Is that is that how you is that the formula that you determine for the salary? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's obviously out of out of worth. And in our game, and being more of a passing game, even more so than the NFL, the quarterback becomes a very valuable commodity. You know, you could argue, Carl, there's not enough 
probably elite quarterbacks to fill the 30, you know, the NFL rosters, you know, let alone the, the CFL rosters. So once you get a, a very accomplished quarterback, you want to reward them. Um, so the, the quarterbacks in our league are, you know, they're making money that the three of us, I'm sure, uh, would love to make unless they've changed what uh, what you guys are making in, in, you know, in high school. And I'm sure what uh, your sponsors are providing for this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah, the, the quarterbacks do well. Also, Carl, you know, a lot of the contracts are game time incentives. So you come in and obviously if you play 51% of the snaps, guys, you know, receive uh, bonus money off of their, their playing time. Um, and there's other incentives as well. So, but a, a player can do well financially. And uh, a lot of the guys come up and they stay, they end up uh, getting married, they stay, raise their family in Canada. They uh, develop a network and, you know, get involved in business or real estate. You know, a lot of the guys uh, use their playoff money and uh, Grey Cup checks to buy real estate and get involved in that uh, so that they can uh, have an income that goes beyond just their day's play. They it's also so do have, I'm sorry, there is a retirement also for the players. So there, there, uh, you know, there are contributions made to retirement plan for them as well. How long do they have to play in the CFL to get that retirement? Uh, it's it begins uh, as a veteran player. So once they've gained veteran player status, uh, you know, after that seven to nine, then they they've started to pay into it at that point. So they're vested. It's not uh, it's not like the NFL where they have to be. You know, I don't know if it's still three and a third or uh, you know to be vested in retirement. So they start to gain that uh, right away. Now, is the Grey Cup in the same location every year, or does it move around like the Super Bowl? It, it moves around. It's by a bid process, Carl. So uh, it used to ro roll around between each of the teams in the league, but now it's through a bid process. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, Randy Ambrosi, our commissioner, has done a great job of growing the CFL game. And one of those is through the event of the, uh, of the Grey Cup. And uh, within the next, he had a five-year process of, of trying to uh, guarantee profit to each of the clubs coming out of the Grey Cup so that from each Grey Cup, there would be earnings, you know, stretched between the nine teams in the league. Um, so, for example, this year, last year it was in Calgary. This year it's in Saskatchewan the following year, uh, Hamilton. So the city makes a bid and they go from there. Coach, do you, uh, are there any social media um, profiles on Twitter, Instagram that people that are interested in the CFL or following you should follow? Yeah. Uh, if you just CFL.ca is the, the website for the CFL. And if you if you go to the CFL website, there's links to all, all types of media, uh, both on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, across the board, uh, so there's uh, it'll always be updating you to uh, what's happening and those kind of things. So yeah, it's uh, there's the 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 people that are in our uh, communications and PR department, the CFL, do a great job, and again, trying to grow the game both uh, nationally and globally. Okay, 
Well, Coach, we thank you for being on here. Obviously, you and I will be in touch. Uh, you've always been a tremendous resource for me, and I appreciate the relationship. I'm going to have to come up there and be your guest at the Grey Cup uh, this season. I think, I think that's needed. I think it's yeah. appropriate, Carl. And I sure appreciate both of you, your time and your patience with my technology today. And uh, wish you all the best. If we could be assistance in any way, just reach out. All right, fellas? I, I, wish, I wish you and your families, uh, you know, all the best. Good health. Thank you, Coach.